So today we have a nice treat. Uh, some of you may never have heard him speak before, but it's uh, Charles Park, who has been on sabbatical for the past year, and we are happy to have him back in the saddle today. So please welcome Charles. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Well, it's good to be back up here. Good to see you. Nice. Uh, uh, can we lower this a little bit? How does this work? <laughs> Real rusty. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I need a lot of help. So, hey, as many of you know, and as Sarah said, I've been on sabbatical break because I needed time to focus on my back problems. I've had chronic back issues for like 20-some years, and it's been rough. And so last four years, it's been a rough time, but, uh, you know, I was able to focus on it for a year, and I'm doing much better. Isn't that good news? I, um, I'm not all better. I still can't claim to be all normal. I still can't do normal activities, like if the door is too heavy, I can't open it. I can't bend, uh, a lot of stuff. But I think I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I think another 6, 12 months of really working at rehab, I think I'll get there. That's good news, right? I'm very happy. So thank you for giving me a break. And I feel well enough that I feel like I can come back, at least on part-time basis. So I'm coming back as, part, as pastor focused on teaching and preaching uh, after July. So I'm looking forward to that. So today is about me saying I'll be coming back. <laughs> so it's like a little tease, like preview, trailer, right? And to pitch in with a sermon uh, for our current sermon series, this changes everything. Uh, coming back, at least for me, changes everything. So good, right? Can I pray for us as we begin? God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for being able to be together here to feel your presence. We pray that your presence will flow like a river of living water today. That we will feel your goodness and your love in our hearts. And it will give us strength as we face life in New York City. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so during my time off, I had a lot of time to think and reflect about life, about God, about church. I'm actually writing a book uh, because I've had so many thoughts uh, with the time that I had. That's what pastors do on sabbatical, right? So it's true to form. Um, and I'm looking forward to sharing these thoughts with you in the coming year. Um, has some really nice thoughts, some helpful thoughts, but not all of them were helpful. Some of the thoughts were very negative and dark and not helpful at all. And one of them that I want to talk about today is the thought, it's not fair. It's not fair. Have you ever had that thought in your head? It's not 
fair. And it just won't go away. And it can just trap you into some dark place, right? It's not fair. When we have dreams and hopes that we are going for, and others get it, and we see them getting those hopes and dreams, and we don't get it. It's not happening for us. Even if we worked hard for it, even if we feel like we did everything right, even if we feel like what's happening is not something we deserve, life is often not fair. Can you relate? Ah, that's a hard thought. And when that happens, it's easy to wonder, what did I do wrong? Where did I go off the rail? You can look back into your life 10 years back, 20 years back, 5 years back, and, and you think, oh, that's, I should have done this. Oh, and this regret fills your heart, and it can just eat you up, right? Now you feel like it's not fair. And where is God? Where is God? Where is the good God that we've been promised? Why is God not being fair to me? Right? You know, life is not fair, and that's hard to take. Because we all have this innate sense of justice in our hearts. You know, we all seem to be born with instinctive sense of what is just, what is not just, and it gets us when we see something that's not fair. I once heard that one of the most common reasons cited for atheism is that if there is a good God up there, how can God let innocent children suffer? Because that happens in this world. And if God is good, how, how is that possible? How is that fair? And I can't claim to have the answer to such a troubling and deep question in every way that, that every troubling thing it raises. But during my time off, I've had a lot of time to think about such questions. And I've come to develop some perspectives that's been helpful to me, at least. And I'd like to share with you today a perspective about the cross that's been helpful with such questions, like it's not fair. Because the cross was not fair. Wouldn't you agree? cross is not fair. Jesus was perfect. He was the best human being you could think of. Yet, he was tortured and executed as a criminal. That is not fair. This aspect of the cross is discussed in an encounter between a Christian and a non-Christian in the book of Acts. Uh, this book in the Bible that we are going through uh, right now as our current sermon series. Uh, and there's a passage that I'd like us to take a look at together. Okay? 
Acts chapter 8. As for Philip, Philip is one of the most prominent figures in early church, one of the seven deacons, uh, a leading figure in the church. An angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Now that's, that's just an interesting experience, isn't it? Like, like what, what would you do if like, an angel appeared to you and said, you know, go down to uh, no, I-90, I-91, you know, or go, go to the uh, George Washington Bridge, you know, right under there. And you start walking, right? It's an interesting experience. But anyway, the guy just obeys. He started out. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandaki, the queen of Ethiopia. So it's like meeting like Secretary of State. He just walks to George Washington Bridge and you run into, you know, someone. And, and the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over, walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? Very open guy. He's like, I, I don't know what I'm reading. I'm confused. Tell me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me. Was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. That this passage is about the Messiah. Jesus was crucified. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Apparently the guy was greatly convinced. There's some water. Let's just get going right away. He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. When they come out, came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So very interesting story. Philip is sent by the Spirit of God specifically to this eunuch to explain an Old Testament passage about the Messiah from prophet Isaiah. Right? And Philip asks, do you understand this passage? Because this passage is not easy to understand. There's a lot of things about this passage that's hard to understand. But surely one of the hardest things to understand about this passage is that the Messiah was humiliated and received no justice. How can God's chosen one, the Messiah, end up with such fate, horrible fate? 
completely defeated, a complete failure. How can the Messiah end up with such fate? This has caused confusion and debate for 2,000 years. There has been no end to debate on this point. It is the central point of debate between Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. This is a very hard thing to understand. If God sent the Messiah, shouldn't he do better than die on the cross? A lot of confusion on this point. So there's been a lot of theories and conjectures on this, which I don't want to get into in detail today because that would take too much time. But I just want to point out one thing that everyone agrees on, that this was not fair. This was not justice. There was no justice in the cross. That everyone agrees on. And it was by God's will. Jesus, on the night of his arrest, he prays, not my will, but your will be done. Remember that, guys? So it is clear it is by God's design that justice and fairness does not prevail always. It is by God's will that the cross happened. Justice and fairness is not the final word from God. It is not the highest priority with God. Love is. Love is the highest priority with God. God's love that is unconditional, unlimited, and unfair, that is the final word communicated to us and declared by the cross. That is the highest reality designed by God. See, it's not because of your achievements and your good works and your obedience and your goodness that God loves you. Jesus did not take up the cross because you are such good people. Folks, you are not. Right? We're not. We don't deserve the cross. God's life, suffering, we don't deserve that. God, God's love is undeserved. He, God loves you simply for who you are. For the image of God that's in you. Before you were even born, God has always loved you. That is the message of the cross. And if God's love is unconditional, if God's love does not depend on anything we do or are, if it's unlimited, then life cannot be fair. Bad things can happen to good people if God's love is to be unconditional. Feels unfair and it feels random when bad things happen to good people. But it cannot be otherwise. You see, if life were fair, so only good things happen to good people. And only bad things happen to bad people. Now that would be fair. But if that were the case, 
God's love could not be unconditional. We could never believe God's love is unconditional. If good things happen to us only when we were behaving well. Do you see that? Do you see that? We would end up believing that God's love is entirely conditional. And that would be true. But that way lies death. That way lies slavery. That way lies fear. Because we would always be afraid of falling into some place where we are not in God's favor. And if such fear is at all possible, then the cross wouldn't be true. Then we would never have perfect peace. We would never have perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fear. And perfect love is unconditional. And for that to be the foundation of this reality, sometimes bad things are going to have to happen unfairly. It must be. I'm not saying every bad thing is random. If you smoke all your life, it's likely you'll end up with lung cancer. There are consequences to your actions. But even if you never smoked, you could get cancer. Right? Sometimes things happen randomly, unfairly. But that has to be true if it's also going to be true that we are loved and valued no matter what. We are loved and valued no matter what. Your success, your wealth, your good behavior, your achievements, your good works, these are all good things. Makes life better. So strive for those things. Go get them. I'm not saying just give up on all these things. Go get them. It's great. More the better. Those are all good things. But we cannot let such things define our worth and value. Having faith in the cross means our worth and value are determined by God's grace and His love and how He sees us rather than anything we have achieved. We are all worthy and welcome in the house of God. Not because we are good, but because of the cross. Amen? Amen. 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 This point is punctuated in this story because it's so interesting. This eunuch is shown such special treatment from God. As I said, Philip was a leading figure in the whole church. Important personage. And he is sent specifically to catch the eunuch reading this passage. And then Philip is whisked away by the Spirit of God as if God was providing a Uber black service. Right? He's just... You know, okay, you did a good job. So God is like providing transportation here, right? Now that's some special treatment, wouldn't you agree? Especially for a foreign eunuch, even if he were important. Did you know that eunuchs were not allowed in the temple of God? 
They were excluded from the presence of God. They were excluded from the center of spiritual life of the people of God. The Bible is very clear on this point on numerous occasions. From Deuteronomy chapter 23, Leviticus, eunuchs were excluded from the spiritual communal church life of the people of God. Because they were not considered to be fully human. They were not considered to be a man or a woman. They were in between. Kind of like how today many people consider transgender people not fully human. Because you can't quite categorize the person. It feels like icky, weird, creepy. Many people feel that way. So they, the murder rate on transgender people are so much higher because people just feel free to abuse them. So they are not considered fully human by many people. Even many people in the church. Church does not help with this. The church actually pours fire on the fuel on this. But in this story, this foreign eunuch, who doesn't even understand you know, the passages he's reading, he's welcomed into the church of God without any questions asked, right? I mean, where's the 12-week baptism class? You know what I'm talking about? Where's the a year-long catechism course before you are allowed to be baptized into church, right? I mean, there were specific biblical prohibit- prohibitions about this kind of person joining in to the life of the people of God. Why is God and Philip not concerned? Why are they not putting out qualifiers like, eunuch, you got to understand there are these passages in the Bible. Right? Love the sinner, I love you. But love the sinner, but hate the sin. I got to point out these things to you, right? Well, where are all those qualifiers? The eunuch, eunuch goes, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Well, is the water consecrated? I I don't know. What kind of water is this? You know? Why can't he be baptized? Well, there are clear biblical prohibitions, concerns to be raised here. But without a word, Philip baptizes him, and God shows his approval by risking, risking him away by the Spirit of God. All he did was one to be included. That's all. I want in. Just for that, he is welcomed as a worthy member of the household of God. Now some of us may have been the receiving end of being put down, excluded. Some of us may have been a part of the LGBTQ community and, and felt unwelcome by the church, or at least feel like a second-class citizen. And I'm really truly sorry for that, because the church is supposed to be the people of grace, unconditional grace. The church should have been the first to welcome and embrace everyone, no matter who they are, what they have done. If you want in, that's all it takes. God, considers you worthy, 
you are loved and valued. No matter who you are, what you have done, this is the heart of the message of the gospel behind the cross. This is why Jesus died on the cross to, to destroy all those categories, to make all human beings equally worthy and valued unconditionally. We cannot compromise on that value. We must stand on this value. This is the faith we live and die for. And this is what makes us church. Some of us may feel unworthy in the eyes of God. For whatever the reason. And I just want to say we are all unworthy. We are all unworthy. It is only by God's unlimited grace that our worth is established. Again, this is not to say our actions do not matter. Every action has consequences. If you murder, you should go to jail. Agreed? If you cheat, lie, hurt others, there will be consequences for that. But that doesn't change our fundamental worth and value in the eyes of God. That is unconditional. So, as a practical suggestion, separate worth and value from your achievements and good behavior. Make sure you are separating worth and value from behavior and wealth and beauty and whatever else we consider good. Examine within yourself when you feel good about yourself and when you feel bad about yourself. And if you are like me, you feel good about yourself when you did something good or neat or something that people would consider an achievement. Right? And you feel bad about yourself when you fail. You know? And when all these like zits appeared in my face, you feel bad about yourself. You know? It's not so good. Right? You want to be more beautiful. You want to be more handsome. You want to be more successful. You want to be this and that. And those are good things. It's better to achieve and succeed. Now, I'd rather we succeed than fail. But failing does not make you a failure. Don't attach your worth and value to these temporal things because we are eternal and everything is temporary. You cannot define an eternal thing with a temporary thing. That's just dumb. It does not work. So don't look at people with better success than you and think they are better than you. Don't look at those Facebook posts with perfect vacation in the Caribbean. <laughs> and, and those postings with like, oh, I got a promotion. I'm now this or that. And, you know, let's be honest. Those things can make you eat your heart out, right? It can make you feel bad about yourself. You can feel like, oh, I'm less than that person. Don't do that. Take care. Because that is deadly. You're moving down a deadly path of sin and unbelief that will trap you into a very negative space. We must repent, turn around, and look at the cross. And establish your worth and value in God's love for you. For you are eternal.
take care to treat everyone, including yourself, with equal respect demanded by the image of God that is in you. Now, this doesn't mean you have to be friends with everyone. This doesn't mean you have to like everyone. Some people are just simply annoying. (laughs) And, And some people just need to be kept away. I mean, let's be honest. But their worth and value (laughs) must be respected. Okay? We can separate these things. Got it? You You can separate what you need to do with how you view these people's worth and value. Just because someone is annoying and just because you have to keep them at arm's length does not mean they are worthless. Does not mean their value is affected. Do you understand? Do do you get it? You must treat everyone with worth and value from God. Now, if you can do this, if you can separate worth and value from success and failures, you can be happy with yourself no matter what. Do you see that? Even if you failed, you can still feel great about yourself. Do you see that? That's a very powerful thing. You will become Facebook proof. (laughs) That's a good thing to have. You can be kind to yourself no matter what. You don't have to keep beating up on yourself because you feel worthy, because you feel valued, even if you fail. And that will give you the power and strength to be kind to others. Your mind will have been transformed. There will be a light within you. There will be inner strength within you that will help you through the ups and downs of life. That will help you become attractive, powerful, positive force in this world that will make your life meaningful. And you will be able to make reality your friend rather than enemy. That's my second suggestion. When bad things happen, it's easy to make reality our enemy. You push reality away with anxiety, with regret, with addictions, to distract yourself from your reality. happens all the time. But if you get trapped there, if you push your reality away, then it will blind you to the good things that are in your life. And it will further blind you from windows of goodness, opportunities and connections that can bring good things to your life. It will blind you to those things Because you have pushed your reality away. If you're living in regret, anxiety, or addictions, you won't see those opportunities. And it will make your life worse. But if you embrace your reality, then you'll be able to see the good things that are present in your life. Gratitude will open your eyes up. It will make your eyes more sensitive to the good things that can come your way. And it will make your life better. Doesn't that sound good? But I found one of the hardest things that gets in the way of that is feeling like it's not fair. When it feels like it's not fair, even if I know that I better not go there, it's just so hard to get away from that. So when that happens, remind yourself, bad things can happen to good people. I often find myself playing the blame game. Right? How can God let this happen? 
How can my friends act that way? How could I have been so stupid to do this, do this or that? When something goes wrong, we tend to look around for something to blame because that gives us a sense of control. But instead of giving us control, it will only trap us into beating up on ourselves or pushing God away or alienating us from our friends. But if I can accept that bad things can happen to good people, some things just happen, and we are not masters of this universe, even if I made a mistake, What else did you expect? You are only a human being. You will make mistakes. If you can embrace that, then that will help us release ourselves and God and our friends from blame. We can forgive so we can move on and embrace our reality, which can only make our lives better. The cross has taken all the guilt and the shame and the blame. Amen? Let's not live in that. Be kind to yourself and your friends and God because it's better to face reality with God as your friend rather than pushing God away with accusations. Life is not fair. Hard things happen randomly, unfairly, sometimes with no rhyme or reason, seemingly. That's just fact of life, folks, right? So given that, It's better to face life with God rather than pushing God away with accusations and blame. Because there is this unlimited resource, this this source of unlimited love that we can tap into just for wanting to be in. All you need is, I want that unlimited love to be the reality in my heart. All you need to say is, I want to tap into God's love that can anchor my life, that can ground me in my reality so that no matter what is happening, I can face it. I want that love in my heart. All you have to do is ask for it. And there is a promise from the living God that rivers of living water will flow into your heart. And make that the reality you can base your life on. Our church is named the river. And I feel there is a promise over this church. That rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit, the purest form of God's unlimited, unconditional love. Will be accessible to you just for wanting it. Do you want it? That's the only question. That God asks. Would you like that? Yes? Amen. So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that God's love will flow into your heart today like never before. And today something will change in your heart. That the power of God will come with the Spirit of God. That will just change Click something in your mind and in your heart. That will make you believe that you are worthy. You are loved. You are valued. No matter what is happening in life, don't look at that as the the measure of your worth. Your worth is already established. I want to pray for that. 
Because that can change everything about your life. And after the prayer, I will be back there joining with Peter and Phoebe and the prayer team to pray for you if you want even more of that love for your heart. But for now, if you want this, would you like to stand and pray with me? Pray with me. What's the downside, right? Why not? You know, receive the foundation for unshakable confidence and light and worth within you. You know, if, if you like, you can stretch out your hand as a gesture of invitation to God that He would come in reality and make you believe that you are worthy. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, just as you promised that you will be present for all those who turn to you, all those who believe that you, the living God, loves us so much that you would die for us. That you would go to all that suffering just to say you love us. That you, you deem us so worthy and so loved and so valued that you would go to that length. Holy Spirit, come and flow right now. Flow like the living waters. Flow like the river. In Jesus' name, perfect love come. Perfect love that casts out all fear. Perfect love that established our worth and value. That frees us from all fear of every kind of failing. Every kind of death. Every kind of making us feel like we are excluded. Cast out. Perfect love come. And cast out all fear from our hearts. All shame. All sense that we are less for whatever reason. In Jesus' name, we break the power of that. We send it away. And Holy Spirit, we say, come. Fill our hearts with your love, with your life, even today. Make us believe. Turn us to the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.